Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello and welcome to the New European Podcast. My name is Richard Porritt. Later I'll be joined by Jerry Scott. We're going to talk about the romance of the year so far, Joe Marnie and Henry Bolton. And Steve will be joining me for Brexiteer, as usual, of course. But first, I'm joined by um, the new European editor, Matt Kelly. Hello. Matt, I thought you should explain yourself, really. You've said in the paper this week that there shouldn't be a second referendum. No, I haven't. <laughs> well, you've, you said, you, you've said at least that Do you people... read your own paper? <laughs> I have read it, of course. you said that we should be careful in wishing for a second referendum. Yes, I think we've... Uh, what I've said is that don't assume that a second referendum is the holy grail of getting out of this unholy mess. Because, as I said in the piece, you know, there's nobody wants a second referendum more than Nigel Farage. Yeah. You know, this idea that maybe, just maybe, I'm coming around to the idea. Absolute He is gagging for a second referendum. You know, not just for his own ego satisfaction reasons, you know, so he can be back at the centre of the of the nation's uh, conversation and warming that question time seat as often as he used to. But he's lost everything he thought he won. You know, when he yeah. marched out on June the 24th and said, today will be known as our Independence Day... It's all gone. You know, he's seen Theresa May backpedal from what he thought he was going to get, mm. this hard Brexit or screw you, Europe. You know, that's gone. And we're now all on this kind of fudgy little trajectory towards what people are calling Bino or Bino, you know, Brexit in name only. Yeah. And we know the reasons for that, you know, because it's all about placating the Tory party for as long as she can. It's about trying to fudge this insoluble issue in Ireland. Yeah. And it's, you know, a, a result of, frankly, you know, rank incompetence from the people who've been leading the negotiations in the last 18 months. Yeah. You know, in fact, everyone's done an impact assessment apart from the bloody government. <laughs> it's yes, incredible. But a lot of our readers will, um, will be probably thinking oh, thank goodness Nigel said this, because we want a second referendum, we want the chance to go out there and yeah. redo the whole thing again. Yeah. So, but And you're saying there's a danger. Well, I, well, I lived through that emotion as well. So when he said it, whenever it was last week, on the Matthew Wright show, yeah. I went, oh, fantastic, game on. Yeah. Game on, you know. Gosh, what a huge mistake that was from Farage to let that slip out. Of course, Farage doesn't make mistakes like that. No, you no, know, no. He's deeply cynical and calculated uh, moment and I thought this is fantastic you know we've got now we're going to get our chance to put to right this wrong and then I started thinking about it thinking you know what would actually happen in a second referendum 
you know, for a start, uh, the turnout will almost certainly be lower. Yeah, that that is just a a, a reality. If, if it seen, isn't, we've seen that elsewhere. When yeah, if it been... isn't, it'd be the first time it hasn't been. Yeah. Right. But so let's assume the turnout will be lower. Let's even take an optimistic view and say that there is a very well reasoned debate, and all the facts are checked, and everybody pays attention this time. And we go out and remain win a uh, a majority vote. It's not going to be a massive majority, is it? Because we know that the country is yeah. still very deeply fractured on this issue. Uh, what would it prove? You mm-hmm. know that that this time Remain was less complacent than they were last time. Yeah. So what? This time we'd won over a couple of percent of Leave voters. So what? The argument is still completely. Uh, diametrically opposed and to me and this is what I suggest in the piece which seems to have sort of ruffled a few feathers is uh, this mess needs to be resolved in the place where it started you know we have a representative democracy Mm. if people don't know and this is another issue why people don't understand how our democracy works because they should do because we should educate people at school uh, so that they can go into these things with with knowledge, we have a system of government where we elect an MP who then his or her responsibility is to act on our behalf within our best interests, mm-hmm. and that is not just a, a sort of a philosophical point right now. This is the heart of the issue. Now we have now got a Westminster that is not acting in the country's best interests. It is parroting this "the people have spoken" stuff because it gets them off the hook. Yeah. So they, they can use that as a as an excuse for dealing with actually the challenge that the people set them, which is, can you please sort out our dysfunctional country, please? Uh, can you sort out the NHS, which is falling to bits? Can you sort out something, some strategy for social care? Because we are running out of road on social care. Yeah. Can you sort out my kid's classroom, which is bursting at the seams? Why do I have to wait seven hours and 58 minutes, as Mary Craig pointed out the other day, for uh, to be seen by a doctor at A&E? Why is the infrastructure to the north so crap? Mm. Why does it take an hour and a half to get from Bradford to Leeds, you know, on a train? Mm. Uh, why uh, is there such a gulf in the economy of this country and the success of this country between the south and the north? You know, these are the things I think we should be addressing. But what you're asking MPs to do is, and what they should be doing, of course, as you rightly say, is acting in the best interests of the people who elect them. And uh, But what I hear again and again from people who campaigned for Remain, whose constituencies then voted leave, is, yeah, but, you know, I've, I've got to back Brexit now because if I don't, next time we go to the polls, I'll be kicked out. What, what do you say to those MPs? Well, the, the punchline in the piece, and you know, without reading it out, I'd rather people bought the paper and, uh, and read it. The punchline in the piece is that the MPs need to be brave right now. Yeah. You know, it's, this is a moment for courage uh, if you're an MP. And there are certainly many brave MPs in, in the House of Commons. And how, how do I qualify the word brave? I, I mean brave because they are doing their job. They are representing their constituents. Mm. Whether or not that's entirely in tune with the vote that they they got in their constituents. But they are still considering the sentiments of the people. But they're still saying, OK, look, you know, in my belief, your best interests are served by dot, dot, dot. And 
There are, I think that on the Labour side, there are too many MPs who've been cowed by um, the the sort of relentless rise of momentum, for yeah. better or worse. I haven't really got a view on that. It's fine. Labour wants a very distinct position in, mm-hmm. on the political spectrum. Fantastic. But if it involves dragging every Labour MP along to the point where they have to be on message or they face deselection, that to me seems not just anti-democratic, but positively you know, tyrannical. Well, they're saying that it is, it absolutely is democratic. This is democracy in, in its purest form because we're yeah. letting the members decide. But I agree with you completely. What they're actually doing is, is, is making, is forming one party with no one on the edges. Yeah. And of course, when, when Blair was leader, Corbyn wasn't deselected, was he? No, and, and, and Jeremy voted against the party, I think, it's over 400 times. Yeah, yeah, but know. now dissent isn't allowed. So this is, this I think, is, is an issue because, of course, you know, there is, a, there is a, a, a great sense within the Labour Party that this is a moment that they can seize on for genuine social change. Right? Mm. And I get that, that's fine. Um, but at odds with that is the idea that it's our way or the highway. Yeah, you know, I think if the Labour Party really is going to be in a position to gain power again, it's got to be much more inclusive. Now, okay, people will say, "Oh, bugger off, you centrist," because that's now become the sort of the insult du jour. Um, but you know, the reality is that Labour, for all their kind of chutzpah at the moment, are nip and tuck with possibly the single worst prime minister in post-war history, yeah. maybe ever. Yeah. You know, so, you know, Corbyn, with all his popular appeal, undoubted, and all his sincerity, undoubted, and all of his uh, clear social mission, undoubted, still is only nip and tuck, tuck with the worst Conservative Party yeah. in living memory. Yeah, and the Tories still polled, I know they didn't poll, um, I know they didn't get the result they wanted in the general election, but still polled very highly, still yeah. got a lot of votes, yeah. a lot of popular vote. Yeah, and so I would say, I mean, I'm a Labour voter, I've been a Labour voter all my life, but I'm I'm not a, I don't think I'm, uh, I don't think, I don't think I would fit very well as a natural in today's Labour mm. movement. No. Um, uh, and I think Labour risks alienating people like me. Now, okay, so maybe... Uh, People like uh, I don't know, you know, like Owen Jones, for instance, who are like on a, you know, they they, they play this uh, this hardcore socialism line out, and you know, he may say, well, that's fine. You're one of the metropolitan elite. You know, you're you're not Labour, really. You're a liberal, but I am Labour, and there's millions of people like me who feel naturally inclined towards Labour, who probably next time at the polls will look and say, okay. I, I, you know, I'm now thinking about it for the first time in my life. I'm yeah. now thinking about it, yeah. and that makes me sad. And all right, they don't they don't want my sympathy, but what they should be interested in is the statistical reality of them gaining a convincing majority, unless they do appeal to people like me. Yeah. The other the other th- problem I think that Labour have got with Brexit is there's been this huge rush to join the party. They've got a huge amount of members now. Yeah. Um, and a lot of those members are young young people and we yeah. all saw those scenes I've said it before on this podcast yeah. when Jeremy Corbyn played last you know yeah, very yeah, odd yeah. scenes really frankly yeah. and they all chanted his name a year before 
at Glastonbury was just after the, the referendum vote and there was a poll taken at Glastonbury. I think it was something like 87% of, of the people there wanted to remain. Yeah. So the likelihood is that a lot of those young people who've joined the Labour Party, and there's lots of them, want yeah. to remain in the EU. Yeah. When are they going to wake up and realise that their leader probably thinks that we should leave the EU or at least isn't that bothered either way? So this, this is at the heart of my piece, right? which is why a second referendum is less good than an alternative and the alternative I've outlined in the piece is a, a no vote in uh, to whatever deal mm. Theresa May comes back with followed in short order by a general election for not just on the issue of Brexit as a lot of people have said but fought on all of the issues that face us in society today Brexit being a significant factor w- with our ability to deal with those issues and at that point Jeremy Corbyn is going to have to say this is my view on Brexit with clarity and here's why I believe Brexit is going to help us dot 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 you know renationalize this the the, the railways uh, wipe out any sense of privatization in the NHS all of these things which by the way I think in the course of that debate would be made very clear that the EU is not an impediment to doing that but that's when I think we should have a debate around the real issue which is our our slightly dysfunctional in danger of becoming a second-rate nation Mm. Um, and how do we stop that uh, from 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 carrying on and again you know without wanting to sound like a broken record I've never thought the EU referendum was about the EU Mm. I really don't you know I think a significant proportion of people who voted to leave were angry about domestic politics. Mm. So again, it's until we sort out the real problem, which is a fairly broken Westminster, then we won't uh, we won't make any progress, whether or not we leave the EU. I mean, it's, that the Brexit's not the issue. Westminster is the issue. Yeah. Labour's other issue, just staying in Labour for a second, of course, is, or sorry, Jeremy's other issue really, is that um, the unions are, are getting a bit nervous about his stance on it and he, d- he doesn't want to upset them. And of course, we know Len McCluskey was number one on our Brexit power list. Um, yeah. Sadly, couldn't deliver a great, what well, was a great speech actually, um, yeah. backing Remain just before, and yeah. he couldn't deliver it because it was the day Joe Cox died. But I, I interviewed a, a, a union member yesterday and they were saying, a lot of people who were members, a lot of people they knew, did vote to leave, but it was more about sort of giving the, the establishment a black eye. Yes, yes. Than, and now they're, now they're nervous. Yeah. Um, so does there come a point when Len takes him to one side and has a quiet word, do you think? And would that change Jeremy's opinion on it? Because obviously financially a big backer and yeah. very, very powerful within the Labour movement. I, I think so. And I, th- I think... Um, you know, why would Len McCluskey and other union leaders send that message to Jeremy Corbyn? Well, they would only do that if their members were howling, you know? Mm. So for me, the, one of the real tragedies about where we're at today is I can't see, there's no, I can't see any untraumatic way out of this. You mm. know, I think it will take a trauma, sadly, before people like Len say, actually, do you know what, this is... This is now beyond the pale, and there is now more to gain from Labour blocking Brexit than there is to carry on with this 
fog of of a position that mm. no one no one is clear about mm. and as, you know they keep saying of course we're clear this is what we're doing and then very quickly within about seven words they start chipping over themselves and yeah, contradicting yeah. each other yeah so there's no doubt that they've got a foggy position mm. uh it'll take that public shift in in sentiment before there's a motivation for them to sort it out i can't remember who the French uh, philosopher was that said it, but in a nutshell, the French philosopher said that nobody gives up a position of ambiguity without paying for it. Mm. And this is exactly where Labour are right now. Yeah, yeah. If the longer they can stay with this fog, then the easier it is for them to, to get as many uh, of that uh, 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 people around them who are misunderstanding what their real position is because their real position is not clear. Mm. So... That will be a big problem for them if they don't, you know, if Jeremy Corbyn, who is a Eurosceptic, carries on with that line, he will alienate, if he's clear about it, he will alienate a lot of the people he's counting on to get him into Downing Street. So he's going to have to, at some point, as he's done in the past, start shedding principles, you know, uh, for a greater good and say, okay, the greater object is to be in power, because I can't do anything unless I'm in power. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so I'm going to have to move towards this great rump of people who are appalled by the idea of leaving the European Union, mm. and especially the young. Yeah. Especially the young. And the thing I'd be fighting on uh, for, for Corbyn is, you know, the votes for 16, 17-year-olds. Because yeah. definitively, they're the ones who are going to suffer this for the longest. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, yeah. Okay, Matt, thanks for that. It's a fascinating piece, so go out and buy the paper. There's, um, there's pages and pages of discussion on second referendums from lots of great writers, so uh, go out and pick it up now. Thanks again. You're welcome. Stay angry. Fight Brexit. Subscribe to The New European. Your first 13 issues of The New European are only £13 when you join us and become a subscriber. Order by telephone by calling 01858... 438840 and quoting podcast one or order online at our website www.neweuropean.co.uk stay angry fight brexit subscribe to the new european welcome back i'm joined by jerry hi jerry hi yeah we are going to talk about the romance that has got <laughs> everyone hooked but first before we get on to the lovely henry and joe mm-hmm Let's rewind a little bit. Yeah, it's all... Everything's always mad in UKIP land, isn't it? But recently it's been ramping up again. Um, Yeah, UKIP leader Henry Bolton, one of the things he said recently is uh, even the Taliban doesn't quite prepare you for UKIP. Of course, he's an ex-soldier, he isn't in... he? Oh, he, wasn't, yeah. he wasn't a member of the Taliban. No, 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 no. <laughs> <laughs> it's not like he's been through a Taliban training camp and then joined UKIP. That'd be quite the flip-flop, wouldn't it? Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> Uh, but I think that sounds a bit like something a captain of a sinking ship would say, um, which is kind of what his role is, isn't it? Um, as we know, as we've discussed before, there are loads of questions about UKIP's role now that you know we've voted to leave the EU. Yeah. Um, and the public seemingly answered that question last general election um, when it all went wrong for them and they lost a load of council seats as well, didn't they? Um, Hugely embarrassing, actually, for UKIP. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the, the, th- the thing is, of course... That you can ask that is a very valid question. What is the point of UKIP mm-hmm. now? Because their um, raison d'être is, is apparently going going to happen. UKIP's argument has been 
but it hasn't happened yet. And <laughs> We've got to make sure. <laughs> yeah. Well, well, Nigel said some interesting things, didn't he? Yeah, he did. Kind of like second referendum. So we have a second referendum. And all sorts. Is that, is that, that, I mean, I know Nigel is not, I asked him, in fact, this week, are you going to step in and help out? And he said, no, I'm never going to be leader again. No. And I think that's probably going to be the case. But UKIP are probably thinking along the same lines, aren't they? We yeah. should have another referendum just so they can carry on existing. <laughs> well, they've kind of limped on, haven't they, with this ignorant determinism. Um, they've rushed through five leaders in a little more than a year, six if you include Nigel coming back to take the helm yes. temporarily yeah. in that triumphant return. Yeah. Um, and I think party officials seemed to breathe a little bit of a sigh of relief when uh, when Henry was elected. Oh, it wasn't little, it was huge. <laughs> I was in the hall. Uh, you felt it. It was extraordinary. They were so worried about Anne-Marie Waters. Yeah. And um, and John Reed Evans, surely. <laughs> yeah, they were so worried about Anne-Marie Waters. And when and when, when Henry won, I think everyone thought, safe pair of hands, yeah. few. Yeah, yeah. He's, you know, he's... Easy. He's an ex-Lib Dem, isn't he? How, how uh, harmful can he be? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I think they just thought that this is a guy who looks like us, dresses like us, talks like us. Yep. He's one of us. Yeah, and he was given up a lot for it, wasn't he? Because, as we know, it's uh, an unpaid position. It is, yeah. And he uh, admitted he might have to sell his house. Yes. <laughs> um, you know, in the past, uh, leaders tend to have been MEPs that have got that, yeah, but yeah. he's not. And I think that's commitment to the cause, isn't it? Making yourself actually homeless for the sake of UKIP. That, combined with claims that he could throttle a badger. Yes, um, that's right. He, 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 he said he, was, he would chase it across Bodmin Moor, I think, didn't he? And strangle it to death. But that made him seem just about the right amount of unhinged to take over the job, <laughs> yeah. I thought. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, yeah, then we've got um, Joe. Um, There's no fool like an old fool. No. So this is Henry dumping his wife. He's 54 and he's dumped his wife for a 25-year-old model, actor and Brexiteer, Joe Marnie. Although he claims that the, his marriage was very much um, done. Yeah, but that's mm-hmm. not what his ex-wife have said. She said they split up only a few days before and she's still breastfeeding his youngest child. So that was a bit of a... Ferrara, wasn't it? Then uh, she had some topless photos surface. She, and, uh... She's extraordinary. I've read all 692 of her tweets. Have every you? single last one. Time on your hands. And, <laughs> and it was for work. Um, and yes, yeah, she's an extraordinary character. Hmm. Her, her tweets were very initially um, when she came on Twitter. I think it's about two years she's been yeah. on Twitter. Were, were fairly, certainly wouldn't stand out as anything extraordinary. There were pictures of the sort of things that young women do, go mm-hmm. out and have a nice time. And then all of a sudden, she seems to have become completely obsessed with right-wing politics yeah, yeah. and um, hanging out with the bad boys of Brexit, her signed copy of the bad boys oh, of yes. Brexit. Oh, yes, 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 yes. She had a signed copy of, of her, uh, Enoch Powell's <laughs> book as well, didn't she? <laughs> odd choice of reading, yeah. So it just it does seem like there was a, a, a switch flipped yeah. there somewhere. But... And this has wound up, you know, UKIPers, hasn't it? Because he did stand for family values and on the strength of his marriage. It has wound them up a bit, in all honesty. Um, and then there was the bombshell, um, Mail on Sunday, publishing that string of texts where she was uh, talking about Meghan Markle. Yeah. Um, I'm not going to repeat them, but they were horrid. They were racist. They really were. And yeah. I think the thing I was really disappointed because I thought... Oh, we can have so much fun mm-hmm. with a fifty-four-year-old Henry Bolton and he's probably slightly daft, twenty-five-year-old uh, 
girlfriend, and but she's ruined it now. Yeah, she's ruined she's it. She's ruined the fun we could have had by being racist. Yes. So Henry faced what can only be described, I think, as a modern day Sophie's choice. Um, he had to pick whether to continue to work for free for a dying party in which many people hated him. <laughs> Or continue his life with his new girlfriend, who is now caught up in a racing scandal involving a future princess. Yes. Decisions, decisions. And initially he chose... Well, he chose the job. Um, He told the media the romantic part of uh, their relationship was over, that he didn't know of her values, didn't believe they were her core views... Of course, they'd talked about immigration, but I imagine so lightly over over a glass of vino by a log fire. So we talked about immigration, <laughs> but we didn't get into the nitty gritty no. of the point system. No, no. Um, but it wasn't over, was it? Well, I, 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 the interview at the beginning of the week with Henry on the Today programme, I think it was Monday morning, was some of the best radio. Yes. It really was <laughs> extraordinary. It, Humphreys was saying, oh, I don't mean to ask personal questions, um, but, you know, how... I personally he think said, it's bold that he called her his girlfriend after just three weeks. And he also said, he also said, uh, how long had you been seeing her before you, your wife found out? And he said, three days. Yeah. And he went, mm, didn't take her long to rumble you, did it? <laughs> it was brilliant. It was so brilliant. But as we know, they were spotted on Thursday, weren't they, in a gentleman's club. Yes. Have a kiss. Apparently going home together. Holding hands. And then they were, they were doorstepped. Yes. And uh, so members of the media were outside the club. Um, and uh, they were t- the media were told that she was going back home to Maidstone and he was yep. going somewhere else. And then they were later spotted, spotted in Folkestone <laughs> together. He has a flat uh, in Folkestone. That, is, that he's uh, 28 grand in debt on the service charges of as well. Oh, yeah. Wow, so he's, that's going to have to go up for sale as well, um, apparently. But I feel a bit bad for him, you know, because you'd think if anyone was able to have a racist girlfriend, <laughs> it'd be the leader of UKIP, wouldn't it? <laughs> well, listen, there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of unhappiness within yeah. UKIP about about this because I think really what this is um, they don't they don't want their leader's girlfriend to be attacking their whole family. No, of course. And they also see that they also think that it's a huge lack of judgment yeah so bill Etheridge, the sports spokesman mm. as an aside you keep sports spokesman yeah i don't know leather footballs and doing pee in your pants and that's <laughs> yeah. when you forget <laughs> your kit isn't it flag, yeah. Yeah, yeah absolutely time, yeah. um he resigned didn't he or kind of resigned because then henry bolton was in his facebook comments a bit like a 14 year old girl telling yeah. him they'd already been sacked and <laughs> <laughs> um so he was off wasn't he so yeah they're not happy are they well, um, i spoke to Stuart agnew who's the who's the mep for the east of england and he, he is, is very keen that this is sorted out quickly. And yeah. I think uh, he he said that this is the worst crisis since 1999. Right. There is crisis every <laughs> month in UK because the crisis in 1999 for you Kipper historians out there was when Nigel basically seized control of the party. Oh, a coup. Um, a bit, yeah, a bit. So that's that's what happened. And 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 Mr. Agnew said. At that point, it took Nigel Farage to come and rescue the party. We need someone like him to do it again, which prompted me to ask Nigel, and he said, no, no. never. <laughs> <clears throat> no, but, you know, it it's just got worse and worse for him, hasn't it? You know, unpaid job, ending of a marriage, ending of a relationship, forced to sell your house, all whilst being a leader of a party that's on his knees. It's not great. But it's not just about him. It's the last few months have been a slow unraveling not even slow is it and the party's redundant the conveyor belt of leaders shows us it's dying 
like you say, Nigel doesn't even want the poison chalice. And the reason they're cycling through so many, I think, is because even the party doesn't know why they still exist. And they're trying to find, like you say, that one person that can give them that kind of purpose again. I don't know. I don't really know what I think is going to happen. I don't know if I think they'll peter out or, you know, not everyone in UKIP is racist, obviously, but there is that core membership who are. And as the Tories are now showing they are going to carry on through with Brexit, I think they'll lose their more moderate members and they'll just be left with that. Yes, I think that the Tories have have got, you know, I think there was a lot of Tories who used UKIP votes as a protest on Europe that isn't there anymore. I think the thing that would probably rescue UKIP was if they got a new leader who said, all right, let's do it again. Let's have a second (laughs) referendum and we'll prove to you. I'm not sure if my heart can take it. I don't think anyone would do that, no. but that, but I think that would would potentially galvanise. Yes. Um, but any potential? I mean, I th- personally, I think Henry Bolton's days are very much numbered, mm-hmm. especially after these pictures of him in his gentleman's club. <laughs> um, any any ideas for who? I really have no idea. I really have no idea because it seems like you get in the job and you're out the next week. So I wouldn't want to uh, mark anyone's card. Well, I mean. David Curtin would be a big statement mm-hmm. as a black um, UKIP member. Mm-hmm. He stood um, for leadership. I think he came third or fourth. But if they wanted to get themselves back in the headlines for the right reasons, you know that potentially would be a, a good choice. It would, but I think that can only last for so long. Yeah, he'd need to have something else as well. But I mean, uh, it's it, whatever. As always with UKIP. It's lots of fun. Isn't oh it? god, it's entertaining. It's lots of fun, and I think it's only a matter of time. I would put money on this, and when we do the best of show between <laughs> Christmas see. and New Year <laughs> next year, I'll dig this out. I would bet money that Joe Marnie appears on some kind of celebrity reality TV show before the end of the year. Yes, I agree. I agree. Great stuff. Well, watch this space. <laughs> Brexiteer of the Week. Welcome back. It's time for Brexiteer of the Week. Steve. It's that magic time. It's the best best time of the week, isn't it? When we do Brexiteer of the Week. Well, I think it might be, yeah. Shall we start... I'm going to top and tail it with a little theme. But let's so let's start with Andy Pemberton. Now, who is Andy Pemberton, you might ask? Who's Andy Pemberton? You are asking. He's a former UKIP councillor. Uh, in the Tendring Peninsula. <laughs> oh yes, I know. And well. um, yeah, and he has been—he's one of the few people who is disappointed after Donald Trump said he wasn't going to visit Britain. Um, there's him and Boris Johnson, isn't there? To well, whom, it was you as well. To whom we will? Well, I've, yeah. Because of those hats. That because I've made put. up all those. I, 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 that's right. I've got all my MAGA hats. Anyway, he has Andy Pemberton has been running a campaign to persuade Donald Trump when he came over on his visit, which he's now not doing, to go to Clacton-on-Sea. And Andy Pemberton calls Clacton-on-Sea the epicentre of the Brexit vote that gave momentum to Donald Trump's fantastic victory. Yeah. So it all comes down. Make Clacton-on-Sea <laughs> great again, I think, is the, uh, is, is the thing. And he was very keen for Donald to come in, uh, stop by Clacton-on-Sea in the Essex Seaside, and uh, go to the Moon and Starfish Weatherspoons with him and, and maybe a quick trip to the Jaywick Martello Tower Art Centre. But now not. And it's a shame because Andy has done such good work on this. He's been working on this since, um, since Trump got elected yeah. in November. Yeah. Started a big petition, 
designed to bring Trump to Clapton on sea. How many signatures do you think he, he got? Uh, three months. Four, three months. Yeah. Well, a uh, hundred thousand. Well, it's close. One hundred and sixty-eight. Right. Not one hundred and sixty-eight thousand. Just one hundred and sixty-eight. Just one hundred and sixty-eight. So okay. well done, Andy Pemberton. Bit of work there, maybe needed. Let's hear it for my. Where where are all my white pen dragons at? <laughs> Now, the white pen dragons, I've never heard of these people before. Had you heard of them before? Uh, well, I'm aware of all the words in that sentence, yeah. but I'm not sure if I've ever So the white together. pen dragons were this sort of ragtag bunch of Brexiteers who disrupted a speech by Sadiq Khan, the Boris, uh, the, uh, Boris annoying, Trump-stopping, brilliant mayor of London. Yeah. Uh, he was making a speech to the Fabian Society last week, last uh-huh. Saturday, wasn't he? And they came... They, sort of went in and disrupted it. And you can find this clip on, on YouTube uh, or on social media, but it was fantastic. They were asked outside why they had gone in and disrupted this speech by Sadiq Khan. And one of them said, Sadiq Khan is taking our constitution out of the law. The yep. law is not being upheld. Absolutely. People are beholding to legislations and acts. Yeah. So totally clear that. Had they been to the spoons before? They probably they might have been to the moon and starfish where the spoons <laughs> in Clapton on Sea, which I believe is uh, you know it's a good one to do. Yeah. One of my favourite words, I'm sure I won't be able to say it now, is numismatists. <laughs> I can't say Come it. On. Numismatists. Yes. Oh, I did say it. Well done. That's good. And they are obviously coin collectors, aren't they? And I'm sure there are some Brexity numismatists out there. There's lots. And they will have been really delighted if they've looked on eBay recently because you can get a Brexit commemorative crown for four ninety nine on eBay. It's only 300 of these have been made. Oh, I've got to get me one of on these. On the head side, it shows King John standing on a map of Britain. Now, King John, he never ruled Britain, so... No. And then it says... Above him, there's a motto that says, Never give away our sovereignty again, Magna Carta. Yeah. Magna Carta, did she die in vain, uh, as we know. Yeah. But this never give our sovereignty away bit is quite strange mm. because in 1213, King John did give our sovereignty away. He, he sold the Kingdom of England yeah. to the Pope uh, for an annual payment of uh, a thousand marks. So then I flipped over this beautiful commemorative it coin. Is beautiful, isn't it? And on the tail side, it says, I voted to get back our sovereign independence, but they've spelt independence wrong. It's indep- it says independence, which is actually the French spelling of independence. <laughs> but, you know, a few stupid, factual, careless errors seem to me to be very much in the spirit of, uh, of Brexit. Um, let's think about Henry Bolton for a minute. Oh, Henry, we've just been talking about him. I, I love Henry. Yeah. There's no, oh, I said Henry. to Jerry, there's no fool, is there? Like, like an, an old, old fool. fool. <laughs> no. It was the happiest times of his life. <laughs> I know. I know. <laughs> He's better than, better than his recently <laughs> born children and all did, of that. Did you see that after... <laughs> after <laughs> did, did you see that... I love the fact that they were boyfriend and girlfriend after like three days. Yeah. It's like high school or something. But also that, uh, that um, he, after being spotted in his gentleman's club... Yes. Being friendly with Joe. Yes. The National Liberal Club. I mean... Is that where it was? I yeah, said it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Not very liberal, are they? Well, I th- me, Tim Farron, Joe Marnie. <laughs> it's a nice <laughs> club, though. It's, li- it's beautiful. It's a very nice it club. It is nice. 
we might bump into old Henry when we're down there. You never know, the yeah. Dalek is keen to go. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think he's barred, actually. But, yeah, he, so to prove, because they, they said that they were going off separately, but actually went back to his flat. Oh, did they? Yeah. <laughs> right, okay. <laughs> but to prove that she left, yes. didn't stick, he said she was just getting her stuff. He went down to the local taxi firm today and took a, a, a screen grab of their, <laughs> of their taxi log to oh prove that he'd called a taxi for her. It's, well, it's extraordinary, isn't it? It is, but anyway, go on. I'm anyway, sorry. so Henry Bolton, well, I've got very little to say to add, but, you know, if he if he has dumped his girlfriend, or not dumped his girlfriend, but if he's got cross with his girlfriend after reading her messages and learning that she's a racist... What's going to happen when he reads the UKIP manifesto? I know, I know. The, the fur is going to fly. <laughs> it certainly is. It certainly Peter is. Bone. Oh, yeah. Let's turn to Peter Bone. He yeah. is Wellingborough's MP. Yeah. He's a hard Brexit headbanger. He looks a lot like Spengor and Ericsson, doesn't he? Like, he does. He looks really a lot like... He's got the, the hair, he's got the glasses, he's got the, the pate, hasn't he? <laughs> and he's been... A long, he has long delighted the House of Commons, and I use the word delighted advisedly, with quips about his wife, Jenny, yeah. Mrs. Bone. Mrs. Bone, yeah. And he would say, well, he, he, said, he said, he once said to David Cameron, didn't he, my wife doesn't want there to be any EU bailouts. Can you confirm that you are prepared to satisfy Mrs. Bone? Yeah. And the House of Commons all laughed. Alas. Yeah. And Peter Peter Bone, who is a devout Christian, mm. has parted with with Mrs. Bone now with Jenny, and he's formed a relationship with a married physio called Helen Harrison, who is also a keen Brexiteer. She's forty five. She's twenty years his younger. That's not quite Bolton esque, is it? But it's, no, but it's, but it's good, in the envelope. It's in the envelope, and I just you know I wish both of them all the all the luck in the world, but. Peter, it might be a good idea to check all her social media messages first <laughs> before you let this go any further. The Brexiteer of the Week, of course, is, and going back to the start and the man who enraged, uh, it was enraged that um, that um, Sadiq Khan and the, the White Pen Dragons and the uh, and the mad guy in, in Clacton-on-Sea, um, is Boris Johnson, who, who has been... Um, who has been well, he's been all over the place this week after a quiet few uh, a quiet month or so he has he branded Sadiq Khan a puffed up popinjay yeah. for ruining Bozer and Trump's big day out in London yeah yeah and he said he was a puffed up popinjay and so he he called Sadiq Khan a puffed up popinjay and I thought that's well that's quite a good insult it's 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 you know it's Reddle and of Evelyn War or PG Woodhouse or something like that and maybe it's even a quote from them no it's not <laughs> It turns out that it's a quote from Harry Potter and the Order of the Phoenix. Is it? Written by the fantastic Remainer J.K. Rowling. You know that clearly he's got someone writing his insults yes. and they're about 12 yeah, yeah, in his yeah. office. Well, maybe you'll start using some Captain Haddock ones from Tintin books now <laughs> if he's delving into children's literature. It was it's in the order Harry Potter and the Order of the Phoenix, which I've learned is the fifth book in the in the series. Get out! You're a massive Potter. I am. Fan. A, I'm, I am. A, Are you dressed like the boy wizard now? I am a Potterite. But yeah, you're it's true. Um, it's said by a character called Phineas Nigelus, which <laughs> coincidentally are the, the the names that Jacob Rees-Mogg has got penciled in for his next two children. Yeah, yeah. But that is Boris Johnson all over, isn't it? He's, he thinks he's some you know war or Woodhouse, but really he's a minor character in a, in, a, in a children's book. Anyway, the other big Boris thing of the week, obviously, 
was that he has doubled down again on his big red bus lie and insisted that the three hundred and fifty million pound lie a week, which we were going to, which we sent to the EU every week, he said that that actually was too low. And then in the same interview, he sort of said it. it well, it wasn't really three hundred and fifty million in the first place. He said that Britain got half of that back immediately, and that of course the three hundred and fifty million was a gross figure. Mm. And to be honest with you, if you have to look in the mirror every day on your Boris Johnson. You, you know all about gross figures. So, <laughs> so Boris Johnson is our Brexiteer of the Week. Thank you, Steve. What should the listeners do right now? They should go out. Just go out. Have, just have a laugh. Live the life. They should, go, they should go straight to iTunes and leave us lots of lovely uh, five-star reviews. And there were some good reviews last week. So thank, so thank you, thank you very indeed. much indeed for that. Keep leaving us great reviews. Tell all your friends. You can follow us at The New European on Twitter. You can follow me on Twitter at Sanglesey, which is S-A-N-G-L-E-S-E-Y. And you can follow me at Porrix, P-O-R-R-I-T-T. That was the New European Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Go out and buy the paper. It's not just politics. It's not just Brexit. There is art. There is culture. There is fashion. There is food. We'll be back next week. Until then, Mr Campbell, play us out. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM.